Morning. Morning. Pastor Rob, welcome to our 1030 service on this December the 9th. Glad you are with us. We are in a series in the book of Matthew, which we started just uh, last Sunday, but we've been in Matthew for um, since October, but we kind of reversed our order. Those of you who have been with us and started in the middle of uh, chapter, beginning of chapter 3, sort of in the first part of uh, the gospel, but backing up to Matthew chapter 1 and 2 as we look for a few weeks, a handful of weeks, at the larger Christmas narrative. We're in chapter 1 again this morning. If you have a copy of the Bible, I hope you do open it up, turn it on. We're in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, in this series titled, Brought to Light, in a message titled, God's Plan Embraced. God's Plan Embraced. Matthew 1 Verses 18 to 25. Follow along uh, closely as I read these verses. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and then he gave him the name Jesus. You know, as a pastor, um, uh, I would tell you, as many pastors would, perhaps, that teaching on this passage, on the Christmas story, is a challenge because um, all you uh, smart church people have heard all of this many times before, right? The Christmas story. And I'm afraid when I get to Christmas that you come with, you know, low expectations, and your expectations are, you know, at best, my pastor is going to, you know, affirm what I believe today, right? My expectations are, are just that I'm going to hear, you know, I'm going to hear a, something about a virgin birth and in, in, in a manger and some wise men and, you know, Mother Mary and, and Joseph and born of a virgin. And I'm just going to make sure, check the list off, that what I came in the door believing is what I heard um, and that's your sort of expectations. Well, I hope I do some of that this morning, but I hope that I do more than simply affirm what you believe, but maybe learn something new, something different uh, as we look at this familiar passage. First, let me say this before I get your emails. Um, this passage, uh, verse 21 and 23, is the heart of it. A lot of times you read the Bible and you go, you can kind of, especially if you've been in church a while, you know what the real message is, right? And the, and the focus here clearly is the names of Jesus. 
Verse 21 says he, his name shall be Jesus, and then it gives the meaning. He shall save his people from their sins. The name Jesus, or the Old Testament name Joshua, one and the same means God saves. And then it goes on to fulfill an Old Testament prophecy. He shall be called Emmanuel, which is less his given name than his, what his name means, which is God with us. And that's the heart of the passage, and you come ready to hear a message on that. And I want to tell you this morning, uh, right up front, that I'm not going to focus on that, um, those verses. Not because they're not unimportant. They are a, a very important part of this passage. But I'm going to talk about them on Christmas Eve. So I'm saving them for Christmas Eve, okay? But I want to, t- I want to use this passage to focus on what often isn't focused on. Because sometimes when we come to have our, our beliefs affirmed or to hear what's most important, we miss other things that are important. And I want to take just a few minutes in this passage, well known, I think, to many of us, and talk about what those things are. Now, the first time that you may have heard the Christmas story, I don't know for you, some of us, if you were raised in the church, I was not. You might have first heard it in Sunday school. I think I first heard it at you know, the Charlie Brown Christmas special. But wherever you first heard the Christmas story, you almost always hear it from Luke's gospel. That's the more popular one. It's more well-known. It's longer, and the shepherds in the field and all that's going on. But the focus of the Luke narrative, if your memory serves, is Mary. She gets all the attention. The angel comes to Mary. The angel talks to Mary. It's an amazing announcement. Mary, is the, Mary has words. She says, you know, I am the Lord's handmaiden. I'll do what you say. She's, she's this amazing person as this young woman. Then she goes on to give this great sort of, you know, speech or, or proclamation. It's called the Magnificant uh, in Luke chapter 2, I believe. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. And, it's, and, and Mary is a major player. And, and, and Joseph's kind of, you know, a stand-in. You know, I mean, he's, he's, he doesn't have a lot to say. But Luke's, or excuse me, Matthew's gospel, the, this passage that we just read, this section, Matthew takes a different tack, and his focus is not Mary. The primary human uh, player in this is Joseph. Now, there's a couple reasons. One of them we talked about last week, so I'm not going to talk about it too much, but one of them is theological. It says in verse um, 20, um, the dream, Joseph had a dream, and the angel said to him, Joseph, son of David, you know, and then blah, 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 okay? Why does he do that? Well, he's making a point to us, the readers, right? That Joseph is the son of David, as we talked about last week. That is, he's from the tribe of Judah, where David is from. And there's a theological purpose that comes to a head in the last verse when the father gives the name to the sons, how this culture works. And he, speaking Joseph, the father, who is a son of David, that is, he's in the line of David, from the tribe of Judah, gave him the name Jesus. So there's a theological purpose being worked out. That's why Joseph is the narrator, so to speak, or the, or the primary person in Matthew's version. But there's another reason, I think, in my proposal to you. And it's not a theological purpose. It's a, it's a practical um, living out your faith purpose, right? And that has to do with response, right? What you see in Joseph, what we see in Joseph is the Christmas story, the Christmas reality, uh, not just for first-time Christians, but for uh, long-time Christians, ought to change the way that you live, and it demands a response, okay? You could say this, that virtually everything that Jesus says Everything that Jesus does in, your, in, in, in the Bible, in his life as a Christian, as you and I receive it, as we embrace it, 
it demands a response, right? It demands a response. I think there are many people today, I won't have you raise your hand or I won't raise my own, but people who are believers, right? Who are, they consider themselves, you know, believers, faith in Christ, born again believers, you know, faithful Christians, whatever terms you want to use. There are many people who are believers, maybe many of us, and we are believers and we are on our way to heaven, so to speak, but Jesus hasn't really, that is to say, his, his role in our life, his, the fact that he's our Lord and Savior, it hasn't really revolutionized our lives, okay? He's our Savior, he's, he's, he, we, we believe in him, but our lives have not been revolutionized. I mean, they haven't been really turned upside down, right, in a manner of speaking. And I think what the Christmas story tells us in this passage, Joseph being an example, is if you really are going to open your life to Jesus, and I don't just mean he becomes your Savior, He saves you from your sins. That's very important. But that he becomes your Lord, then it demands a response, right? And I think that's what we see in Joseph, and we'll look at a few things this morning. The first thing that I think we see in Joseph's story is the first lesson we can learn from Joseph's uh, um, account in this passage is God may do his most amazing work through your most amazing disappointments, right? Think about that for a minute. What does the Christmas story have to say to us? God may do his most. He says a lot of things in your life and in my life, but as you look back, if you've been a Christian, I've been a Christian 35 years, so I can do some looking back. Some of us can do more looking back than others, but when God, when I look back, I think when you look back, I think when many of us look back, certainly this could be said of Joseph. We don't know a lot about his later life. The Bible doesn't share it with us. But my guess is when Joseph looked back, this was one of the moments that he would say, my life changed forever here. And in a sense, what happened here was the most significant thing that ever happened in my life. But it happened in, in the context of a monster disappointment. Now we know at the heart of this whole passage is that is that Mary gets the birth announcement, right? But it's not a it's not a, a, a an innovation. It's not a you know um, afterthought. It's not something that God just throws together. That's why verse twenty two and verse twenty three are there. This took place to fulfill what the prophet had said hundreds of years earlier. Hundreds of years before there was ever Joseph's great-great-grandfather and great-great-grandmother and great-great-grandfather and grandmother and grandmother and grandfather and all these people before there was a Joseph or a Mary and they weren't even thought of them, right? This was planned, right? God put it forth in God's plan, which is a strange plan, even though we're used to it because we've been talking about it for many of us for our whole lives, and it's been in our cultural narrative for many years, but God's decision to redeem humanity from their sins, verse 21, he decided to do it by sending his son in the form of a human being, but so far so good, to be born of a virgin, right? That's a pretty strange plan. Or it's an unusual plan. And one thing I know about that plan, okay, and this is my point. God may do his most amazing work in your life through your most amazing disappointments. Somebody, before this ever came to be, Joseph, Mary, Bethlehem, 
I, this, it was impossible for this plan to happen without somebody suffering some embarrassment, right? Or some shame, right? I don't know how you could ever have thought through this plan hundreds of years in advance, or even as it's getting closer, somehow somebody, when, when a virgin shall conceive, and you got to make sense of that to your family and your friends and to everybody else, somebody is going to be embarrassed, suffer some shame, when this plan comes out. I don't know any other way it could happen. I wonder what it would be like. And I don't say this from a comedy standpoint, right? I mean, from a serious... What would it be like to just be in the room? I mean, if we believe all this happened, the first time that Joseph told somebody, okay, this story, I would imagine it was his mom and dad, right? I mean, where would you go? Probably his mom and daddy's going to start there. Maybe a close, close friend. Imagine what it would be like to be in the first time in the room when he says, listen, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if anyone here has said, said this to you. Like, you know, I don't gonna, what I'm going to tell you right now, John, hi, what I'm going to tell you guys is, I promise you, it's going to be really, it's going to blow your mind. And you're, you're, you are going to have a hard time believing it, okay? I would imagine, I don't know if he started with a, you know, in a funny way, but he's saying, I'm sure he said, I have something hard to say, something that uh, you, I never dreamed I would be saying, and I, I really need you to hear what I have to say, right? I would imagine what it would be like. Now, maybe his parents, I'm going to give them the best benefit of the doubt because parents love their children, and he was probably a good guy. Somehow they found the capacity after their shock and amazement to say, son, I don't, we don't understand it, but we, we, we're with you. We somehow we're, we're amazed and we believe you. I'm going to give his parents the benefit of the doubt. But I have to believe, working out way to aunts and uncles and neighbors and friends, that many people said after they left the room, <laughs> that I've heard a lot of stories, but I have never heard a story quite as amazing as that story, you know? I mean, I, I don't know if those of you who've raised kids, I don't want to be a knock on teenagers. I was once one, right? I've heard some amazing stories. In fact, I've told some amazing <laughs> stories. One quick one. When I was 17 years old, um, it, was a night, it was in December when I was 17. It would have been, what, 2001? I don't know. But anyway, it was, <laughs> I was 17 years old. And I was out with two of my friends, and we were driving my mother's car, and we were doing some donuts. Kids, kids don't do that anymore, I'm sure, right? In the snow, and we flipped my mother's car upside down, okay? And me and two of my friends, now nobody was hurt. I mean, seriously, little bangs, but miracle. So once, everybody okay? Yes, okay. Now, let's get to business and flip this car back over, <laughs> which we did with some help of a guy or two that was in, this, uh, down, in a party down the street, flipped the car over, and I, you have this naive, you know, surreal sense that you're going to get away with this, right? I mean, <laughs> you flip the car, there's oil coming down the front corner panel, but somehow this is all going to work out, right? Well, eventually reality settles in, there's broken glass, and you say, and, you know, there's neighbors complaining, and you're, this is going to... So then you start concocting a story, okay, about black ice and a dog and, you know, whatever the case may be. Okay. I, I, I know that I'm being funny, but I have to believe there's some of that going on here, right? I mean, how do you tell your friends and your family, right? This is the oldest story in the book. You know, people, oops, you know, they, they, um, they get pregnant before they get married. This is not a new story. It's not a new reality. It happens, Right? And it happened before in this community, I would imagine. But Joseph's got a different story. 
But here's what I know. Here's what we know. It's God's doing, right? There's, God could have done whatever he wanted to do. As a matter of fact, even if we say it, it would have to be embarrassing to have a, a virgin conceive, that we say, let's take that for granted. Joseph didn't have to be, he didn't have, she didn't have to be engaged. God could have let Mary do this before her and Joseph got engaged, for that matter, before her and Joseph ever got serious, right? And then Joseph could have come, wouldn't have changed the story. It's still embarrassing. Mary still is embarrassed either way. It's, Mary still looks bad either way. But at least this way, it only puts it on her. And Joseph, if he even cares enough about her and he comes into her life, he can just be a, a clean slate hero that comes in and says, I'm gonna, I'll, I, I love her anyway. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to marry her even though she got herself in trouble or so it seems to people. But that's not what happened. In fact, if you read this passage as we did, it seems as if, even though this is hundreds of years in God's plan, Joseph gets the word at the, you know, at 5 to 12. In fact, someone correct me, no one did after the first service. Uh, 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 as far as I know, uh, Joseph gets this, Mary knew it, she never told him. Right? Remember Luke? Got the Gabriel and all that's great. Well, she apparently never told Joseph. Because Joseph had to get his own angel visit here to tell him what Mary already knew, okay? God didn't have to do it that way. But this is what I know about Joseph. In this moment, he was faced with the most important decision of his life, right? Whatever he decided to do, he could punt or go forward. He could put her a quiet divorce he could go for whatever he decided to do, his life would never be the same, right? No question about it, right? Now, he, we might not be talking about him 2,000 years later like we are today, but in his life in, in, in Bethlehem, in Judea, and eventually uh, in Nazareth, his life would never be the same, whatever he decided. So I don't know where you are today. What can we learn from Christmas? That God may do his most amazing work in your life. God may do his most amazing work in my life. In your most amazing disappointment, right? God has the prerogative to do that. I don't know what difficulty you might be facing today. Maybe some hard thing you're going through. Maybe an embarrassment. Maybe it's something you chose. Maybe it was something someone chose for you. You're on Joseph's end of this story. Or maybe, if you have eyes and ears to hear it and think about it, maybe it's something that God chose for you months and years and decades ago to come into your life that you never expected. Christmas teaches us, I think, teaches me. Okay? I've been a Christian 35 years, and I still think I'm... Every year, every, not every year, every, uh, often, maybe every day, but every season of my years, I have to relearn a truth that's at the heart of this message, and the truth is this, that God does not run things the way that you do. God does not think, that, God is not this, you know, sometimes we think God is like us, but he's just a few steps higher. He's, he thinks the way you or I would think if we were really at our best game. No, we do. He's, he's a superhuman. But see, what the Bible says is that's a, that's, a, that's a wrong way of thinking about it. That's not who God is at all. Isaiah 55, familiar verses. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. It's pretty clear. 
Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. He's not being mean here. He's just trying to get, make a point. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay? That's what the Christmas story tells us. A virgin shall conceive. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, well, be glad you're not Joseph. Okay? <laughs> You just got the engagement party was two weeks ago. You were on the top of a mountain, man. Now where are you going to go? God may do his most amazing work in your most amazing disappointment. Second point, following Jesus will require new ways of thinking about and new ways of relating to God. Okay, that's what this is. This is, this is maybe a little more grown-up Christianity. Following Jesus will require new ways of thinking about God. Now, I don't know how many of you remember this. A little after 9-11. Okay, so that's going back. But those of you who remember, uh, we got ourselves into a war and, uh, with, in, in the country of Iraq. And there's a famous, um, it was a very uh, regular old news conference with the, the Secretary of Defense. His name was Donald Rumsfeld. But his answer to a question has become famous, all right, because of its sort of its, its, its wisdom and its insight. And he was asked in this news conference in 2002 about the lack of evidence for weapons of mass destruction. Some of you are glazed over. You don't remember this history, but some of us do, okay? You know, there's lack of evidence. And, and, and Mr. Rumsfeld, we want to understand, you know, how could you take this action without knowing whether or not these things were even there? Are you with me? Okay, but here's the answer. I'm not here to talk about politics. I just thought his wisdom, I thought it's a very wise answer. He said, listen, there are known knowns, right? Now, this is true in war, right? We know that there's this army. We know because of reconnaissance they have a, a plant here or, or this kind of weaponry. There are known knowns. And that's true in your everyday life, right? You, there are no knowns. You, you know, you know what your name is, you know what your wife's name is, you know what your husband's name is. If you have X amount of kids, you know how many you got, you know you have a job, you, you know how much money you have in the bank, you know what your, your basic, your, your health for the most part. There's a lot of known knowns, and we work with those every day. There are known knowns. These are things we know that we know. Then there are known unknowns, he said. That is to say, there are things that we know we don't know, right? We, there's a lot of things we know we don't know. We don't know uh, if it's going to be a snowy day on Christmas. We don't know if, um, you know, it's going to, the stock market's going to perform such and such a way in 2019. We know that we don't know that. We know, we, I don't know. I know that I don't know that I'm going to have a job next year. I don't really know that I, I like to think that I'm going to, but I don't know that. If you're a young couple in here, you, you're starting your life out, you, you don't know if you're going to have one kid or you're going to have three kids, you're going to have twins. There's a lot of things that you know that you don't know. And a lot of our life is managing those things, right? Much of life perhaps is there. But then he said this, but there are also unknown unknowns. There are things we don't know, we don't know. Now that might sound like double speak, but it's, this is what he said at the end of it. And if one looks throughout the history of our country and other free countries, it's the latter category that tends to be the most difficult, right? The things that you don't know that you don't know. I think 
uh, your girlfriend, your fiance is going to get pregnant by the Holy Spirit would qualify as something you could never, ever have imagined, right? No way. You might think, well, she might cheat on me. She, she might, her father might not like me. Uh, she might get sick. There's those things, the things you know you don't know. But no one's thinking she's going to get pregnant by the Holy Spirit, okay? I think there's a lesson here for us, okay? I, uh, I mentioned this in church many weeks ago, um, that I met a man about two months ago named Tom Ryan. He's the, he's the um, uh, coach of the Ohio State um, wrestling team. They just won a national championship. He gave his story and his testimony. I got to talk to him after. And he told me this story. I told part of this story to you. He, 10 years ago, young family, starting his career, his five-year-old son, they're all just hang horsing around in their living room, and his five-year-old son just falls down, kind of an unconscious. No reason. They take him to the hospital. Can't figure out what's going on. They take him to the hospital. All these tests, by the end of the day, um, his life is over. And they have no idea what happened. Well, they do a bunch of work, and they discover this weird, complicated, disordered protein in his blood. I don't know all the details. He had this condition. No one knew very little about it. They didn't know he had the condition. It's a very uh, a rarely known condition. It was an unknown, unknown, sitting there all those five or six years of his life, and they didn't know it. Right? Now, in Tom's story, that tragedy led him and his wife slowly to a faith in Jesus Christ. He eventually met a doctor, ironically, or not ironically, strangely named Dr. Tom Ryan, same name as his, who was a, a specialist in these areas of blood. They got together, they worked on it with his permission, they used his son's um, uh, stud case and helped bring a greater understanding to this disease and now, 10 years later, um, this research has helped uh, inf- help, uh, detect uh, many, many kids who have this disease and that have, because they know it, it's a known known, <laughs> they are living um, healthy lives, okay? But I think this idea, right, the unknown unknown, and that God only not only has the capacity to do that, okay? He did it in Joseph's life. I would almost say to you, it's his signature, right? It's his signature. And Joseph's getting a dose of it right here. What so amazes me about this passage, right? He gets this message, right? I'm saying to you, to follow Jesus will require new ways of thinking about God and of relating to God. It says this. Joseph finds out that his wife is pregnant, okay? Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her publicly, he decides he wants to divorce her. Now, if you read this passage closely, Joseph makes this decision to basically get rid of Mary or or end this, this contract, not because of his feelings for her, it's clear he's, he, the actual Old Testament law says she ought to be stoned, right? He's, that, that's really what it says for this condition, assuming that she was unfaithful as his fiancée. Crazy as that sounds, that's what the Bible says in the Old Testament law. Now, 
But Joseph has a gracious appeal. But he's going to do this not born out of his, any feelings for Mary, but out of his devotion to God, right? Because he's a faithful to the law. But in these moments, why did they put this in verse 20? After he had considered this, right? He does get this, uh, this visit from the angel who says, let me give you the new information. Let me tell you that this amazing thing that you now know that your wife may or may not have told you is, is true. It is a miracle. She is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. But before that happens, okay, verse 20, he had considered this, right? He took time in the providence of God Knowing that the law said do this, right? See, many of us think that what it means to be a Christian, it's kind, of, it's kind of mechanical exercise. It's about having the right answer. You came here to affirm your beliefs today. Or it's about doing the right things. But see, it's about much more than that, right? And Joseph needed to consider now, right? Sometimes God will do his most amazing work in your most amazing disappointments because it's in your amazing disappointments, that you really get to think harder about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's not just chapter and verse. My goodness, if it was only that simple, having the right answer, affirming the right set of beliefs. No, it's, it's not about... It's, when I say you got to have a new thought about God, I'm not talking about doctrine. I think all the doctrine's been hammered out by smart people over the last 2,000 years. It's not about affirming doctrines. It's about what does it mean to live out those doctrines. What does it mean to live a holy life? What does it mean to have personal integrity? What does it mean to be generous? What does it mean? Right? This is what Joseph had to consider. Husbands, love your wives according to what the Bible says. So it's as Christ loved the church. So what does Joseph do? He considers it's a tough situation. The Bible says, I ought to get rid of her. Right? He doesn't know the angels and come to him yet. He's thinking about it. But he says, I could do that or, verse 25, I could just decide to take her as my wife to go home and not have sex with my wife, which seems like not what you signed up for, right? That's what the verse says, okay? For a season, seems crazy. Seems kind of an anti, you know what I mean? But anyway... <laughs> Not good, right? Not what he wanted to do. But he says, I'm going to do that. Because instead of getting rid of her, which would say I'm going to do what the Bible says, I'm going to marry her. And if, if not bear her guilt and embarrassment, I'm going to share her guilt and embarrassment, right? If you want to be a follower of Jesus, if I want to be a follower of Jesus, you know what Christmas tells me? Number one, God may do his most amazing work through your most amazing disappointment. But in that disappointment, following Jesus will require new ways of thinking and relating to God. Because what Joseph needed to learn, what I need to learn, it's not about, it's, it's going beyond what the Bible has to say, right? It's really thinking through the implications of what it means that Jesus is in your life. That you've not just been had your sins forgiven, but Jesus has come into your life and revolutionized it. And nothing in your life, if you take it seriously, is ever going to be the same, right? 
Last point, takeaway. To say yes to Jesus is to say no to running your own life. That's what we get. Look at Joseph, verse 25. Look how this ends. When Joseph woke up, it's almost like a metaphor. It's a real story, but it's almost like he, you know, it's a new day. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Now, the angel of the Lord didn't command him, did he? The angel of the Lord said to Joseph, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, what is conceived in the Holy Spirit. You know, but Joseph took it as a command. He woke up and did what the angel had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Okay? Maybe mom and dad were okay with it. But I think as you move your way out of the ring of mom and dad, people thought, well, we know what really happened, Joseph. And, number two, he did not consummate their marriage. Well, who's going to know the difference anyway? God would. Until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. What it meant to him personally, what people might say or not say, it wasn't that that wasn't unimportant. I'm sure he cared about it, but it was no longer the primary thing, right? It was no longer the primary thing. If you want to say yes to Jesus, and I mean, really, he's going to be the center of your life. You have no idea what tomorrow will bring. The truth is, there's a lot of unknown unknowns in your life and in mine. You have to decide that he, you, to, say no, to, to say yes to Jesus is to say no to running your life. Last verse of Scripture. It's about Jesus, but really it's a, it's a sermon to us. Philippians chapter 5, or excuse me, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. Listen carefully. In your relationships with one another, okay? That's really the point of this passage. It is talking about the incarnation. This is a theological passage, Philippians, about what we call the incarnation. Fancy word for God became a man in the person of Jesus. But this theological truth is really a practical challenge to you and me. In your relationships with one another, that's what it's really about, have the same mindset as Jesus. Don't do what Jesus did. You don't need to die on a cross. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying, have the same mindset. Who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Right? Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. That's what Joseph did. He woke up and he said, you know what? I, 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 I couldn't have dreamed this up in a million years. I have no idea where this is going. This, is, this, this, is, this has been a, 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 a torpedo to my dreams and plans. Everything I thought my life was going to be about... My wife is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. No one will believe that story. No one will believe that story. But he took Mary home as his wife. And he did not consummate their marriage for nine months until Jesus was born. Because he said, to accept Jesus into my life means my life is not my own. But you know what? In the end, 
God did something amazing in his life. If Tom Ryan was standing here right now, I don't think Tom Ryan would ever say, I wish, um, it's, I, 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 I don't want my son back. He would say, I want my son back, as you would if you lost your son. But he'd say, even though I would have never signed up for that and I want my son back, I believe that through that horrible disappointment, God has done the most amazing things in my life, right? That's what Christmas tells us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. I thank you for my, my friends in this room, those I know and have yet to know. I thank you for, um, Lord, the faith that we share, many of us. Um, all of us, you know, sinners and with stories. But, Lord, uh, we come before you humbly uh, as we are with a lot of um, unknown unknowns. We confess, Lord, that there's so much I do that I don't know. The older I get, the more I realize how little I really know um, about my own life, about this life, and certainly about an almighty God. But I'm so grateful, so grateful that some 30 plus years ago that you left heaven for earth in the person of your son and you sent him into my life um, even when I wasn't asking for him. And it has, um, you know, changed my life in so many ways and changed our lives in so many ways. We come to you, I pray, Lord, for everyone in this room, anyone who, who, Lord, may have on their mind or heart a disappointment, um, a deep disappointment, a deep um, hardship, uh, a struggle that they may have, something that's come into their life um, completely out of um, left field. But, Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to be reminded this morning that you do some of your most amazing work in our disappointments. Help us, Lord, I pray, to widen our category for who you are, to move beyond affirming what we believe, to begin to think deeper about what it means to live those beliefs. And I pray, Lord, that we might move closer today. We might make the decision today, maybe before, you know, the penny drops or before the situation changes, that we're going to say yes to making Jesus the center of our lives, yes to, to allowing you to be the Lord of our lives, and Lord, to put our own short-term, limited point of view um, down. I pray for everyone here today. We love you and we, we thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.